Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Tomorrow's going to be better than today. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT, your host here on AM860, The Answer, and the Golf News Network. Uh, this portion of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and Gunter Wilhelm Knives. Unmatched quality and comfort for your enhanced productivity in the kitchen online at GunterWilhelm.com. Well, we've got two very special guests with us today here on the show. It's the uh, Care Jar Show, <laughs> Karen Stupples and Jerry Fultz coming to us today from Georgia because they're on the road covering an event. And uh, this is one of the highlights of my career, actually, having you two on the show. So I really appreciate it. Welcome. Thank you so much. You need to aim a hell of a lot higher, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try hard, Jerry. I try hard. So... Um, We'll, we'll kind of start at the very beginning. How did you two meet? Was it there working at the Golf Channel, or did you know each other before when you were competing? Well, we bumped into each other, obviously, competing, although Jerry had never actually commentated on any one of my groups you know, the whole time that, that I was playing. So, But it really, we got to know each other a lot better once I started working for the Golf Channel, for sure. So I guess one of the most critical questions is, how did you get your – overwhelming interest in agronomy and lawnmowers? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I think it's when our actual, the guy that we had hired to uh, do our garden really was completely rubbish at it. And, uh, <laughs> and it rarely showed up and didn't do much time at time to it. So we ended up just buying just a regular little tractor mower. And I used to go out and, and t do some touch-ups and mowing around. And I loved it. And you just used to cruise around and have fun doing that. And just it's just taking something that looks so rough and making it look so perfect. I kind of like it. And um, and it's just grown from there, obviously. And uh, now we've got a fancy mower that is like a it's like a fairground ride. Those zero turns are like a fairground ride, yeah. but with a but with a end product. It's so good. I only get to do it when she's out of town. I'm not even allowed on it unless she's out of town. <laughs> but it made it made sense because what we paid him to do, it's about three acres of mowing. What we were paying him to do a bad job, basically over the course of about a year and a half, bought a really, really fancy Toro mower. So we, uh, it, it made a lot of sense, and she loves doing it, and all I do is gas it up and clean it off. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I uh, We have the same issue here. So he last summer – Yes. Yes. My wife bought me a new mower last year. I like to make lines. I like to make lines, you know, like they do on the course, just up and down. So, Karen, I'll start with you. How have things changed in the golf world since you first came over here and started playing 
a number of years ago and you you know you we can talk about your history a little later when in the ladies uh, British Open and all that but how's the the golf the competitive golf world changed oh it's across the board that the depth of golfers has just gone crazy and I, I think it's just because you know, there has been a big emphasis on growing the game, but not only growing the game here in America or in the UK, where I'm originally from, but also from uh, other countries around the world. And so so what you're finding on, on both tours, both the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour, you're finding the very best players from everywhere coming and playing here. So from when I came over here, you know, when I was 25 to start playing on the tour, yeah, there was some, you know, Siri Park was, was just, was, already getting going, you know, by a good few years. But there was more interest starting to come from Korea. There was more interest from across the globe. But over the period of time since I've been here, it's just got deeper and deeper. And the, the strength of the game is 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 off the charts good now. But on both both sides, men and women, it's, uh, it's incredible. Do you think that the uh, LPGA Tour, you guys obviously covered that, is that getting more airtime and better coverage than it had in the past because that was always one of the the, um, the beefs if you will because i actually like to watch the lpga events it's um and of course i cover the one in portland when you guys are up here and that but um you know the the girls are much more approachable they're sometimes more fan friendly that type of thing and uh, but we didn't see the amount of coverage over the years like the guys get. I would say this, that definitely the amount of coverage from when I started playing to where I am now has definitely increased because I remember there were tournaments that didn't even have any TV coverage involved. So, And we and we had to do all kinds of juggling around to, to slot us in, in times in terms of our tea times and everything else. I mean, the reverse horseshoe was a, was a very popular concept on the LPGA Tour just to fit in uh, right. at times to be shown on TV. Um, so from that perspective, uh, in my time, yes. Um, I think that you know, the amount of hours has definitely grown. But from but when you look at the amount of coverage that you know, the PGA Tour gets, it's not quite the same. But then the, the difference being that you can watch PGA Tour live uh, from the time the first people tee off in the morning to the, to the last people finish in the afternoon. Right. So you have, a, but they do that for themselves. That's PGA Tour Entertainment. That's their own entity altogether. So you have, you can watch men's golf from the time they start to, to, to end. Women's golf hasn't got to that point yet. I, that's really what I'd like to see happen on with, with women's golf. Is I'd like to see that same kind of feature group coverage happen on the LPGA Tour. That way, everybody can get their LPGA Tour fix at any time of the day, whenever they're playing. The, um, the number of hours and non-streaming coverage has gone up tremendously in the last 10 years. Uh, more coverage than the LPGA than women's golf has ever had, which is basically uh, TV coverage. Uh, the streaming coverage Karen's talking about with the PGA Tour would be the next step. Who knows how far off that is. Um, I'm not sure it gets the same type of, uh, of notoriety as it did say in the 70s and the glory days of Nancy Lopez and Pat Bradley and, and such. Because back then there wasn't really any cable. So they got a couple of hours maybe on Sunday on a network, which they still get uh, four, five, six, seven times a year. But uh, the number of hours, the amount of viewers is is off the charts compared to back then. But comparing it to men's golf is apples and oranges. Yeah, I was going to say, you came from the men's tour. You were on the, uh, I'm not going to date you here, Jer, but you started on Nike, the 
uh, or what we call it the swoosh. And then you went to web.com and now it's corn fairy. I don't know what the next name is going to be, but it's all the same deal. And was that a hard transition for you to go from your playing days and all, you know, basically focused on men's tour stuff, either playing or covering and then going over to the LPGA coverage? Um, first of all, nobody becomes a commentator on purpose. (laughs) You become a commentator because you can't make any money playing anymore or enough money. It's a, it's a really nice lifestyle and a great career. If you can get your foot in the door, being a commentator. Uh, but no, I was always a fan of women's golf, always a fan, just because some of the observations you already stated, they just seem to get it. They seem to be more engaged with the fans. They seem to take more ownership over the brand, over the product. Um, they seem to do so many more things than, than you see the guys willing to do on a week-in, week-out basis. There's a little more entitlement on behalf of the guys on the PGA Tour. Maybe not so much on the European Tour, but on the PGA Tour. Um, and it's understandable. There's a lot more demands on their time. But my boss came to me 10 years ago. At a, we were sitting at a bar in a hotel in New York, and he said, hey, I, I got a change for you. Because I was doing uh, what was Web.com then, Corn Ferry Tour events then as the play-by-play, and I was doing – a lot of on course for PGA tour. And he said, I really need an American male voice on our LPGA coverage. He says, you want to give it a, he said, what do you think? He, and he basically said, that's what you're going to be doing next year. And I said, you know, the corn Ferry tour was kind of my lifeblood for so many years. And I was so close to it and it was hard to say no, but I said, let's give it a shot. And after two tournaments, uh, the following spring, I called him up and I said, this is a contract year. I said, uh, I'm not signing my next contract unless it includes LPGA because I just fell in love with it instantly. And to this day, I am the oldest, whitest uh, feminist you'll ever meet. <laughs> Was that whitest or wide? Like just a- <laughs> both. <laughs> I, am, I am the oldest male feminist you'll ever meet. It's, it's really incredible how much I stick up and I want to see the tour grow and the women, uh, the women prosper. Absolutely. We're going to take a break here on Grilling at the Green. We'll be right back with uh, Karen Stumples and Jerry Fultz, both from Golf Channel, right after this. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT, and we're here on AM 860 and the Golf News Network. I'd like to thank you all for listening today. Um, real quickly, I'd like to remind you that the Langdon Grill at Langdon Farms Golf Course is open. And uh, you can go in and have lunch, have dinner, and get their pr- uh, prime rib specials on Friday night. If you'd like to email us, it's pretty easy. It's just info at grillingatthegreen.net. We've got uh, Jerry Fultz and Karen Stumples here. I've got to confess something to our listeners, you guys, that we do go back and forth quite a bit with uh, commentary, not the kind Jerry does or Karen does, but uh, on Twitter, and they're a lot of fun. So, um, Follow them, and you'll you'll get some good insights and some good humor too, especially from Jerry when he's uh, when Karen's not home. Anyway, 
does um you were, we were talking about the, the different tours and how you came to to work jerry on uh, on the lpga tour has the money increased i know it has but are we going to get to a point do you think where we can you know the the when the women play the first place check is going to be 750 to a million dollars yeah we will well now i don't know if it'll be on a regular basis but i think we're going to get there in the next few years actually because there are too many uh there's too many corporations, CEOs, CMOs now who, who talk the talk of equality in the workplace. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of pressure on them to walk the walk when it comes to involvement and support of women's sports and the communities in which they operate. Because, I mean, as you know, the lifeblood of professional golf tournaments isn't really the pay for the players. It's the funds raised for the local communities. That's, the, that's what makes it all go. That's the, that's the oil in the machine. And... Uh, and that's a huge, hugely important, um, you know, from a, from just a uh, from a public perception standpoint, uh, that's hugely important to the to the charter of many corporations. So I think we'll get there. I think we'll get there pretty soon. Um, certainly, the, the the quality of play is deserving of it. Well, I think so. You know, what one thing I was going to mention this year with all the COVID nineteen. I don't like to say COVID nineteen. Uh, for me, it's been about a COVID thirty is what I gained. I think <laughs> sitting around. Um, not doing too much, but I don't have as much grass to mow as Karen does. So that's that's been the key. <laughs> yeah, it has getting outside. Although I did build a putting green in our backyard this year, so that was nice. Kind of cool. Yeah. Um, how different was it? What you see today, Karen, on tour, as you know, behind the desk making the commentary versus when you were traveling. Um, like Jerry was just talking about, the money is. And what's the feeling of the ladies now? Are they all four? I'm sure they are moving forward, getting more sponsors because it was kind of weird this year too, not seeing all the corporate tents at the events. Yes, I, I mean, I remember, I remember when um, one million dollars was a was a good size purse when I first came out on tour. Total purse. Sure. Uh, so. Yes, it's 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 there has been improvements and and giant strides made um, in in that department. I think everybody you know around the tour would like obviously would like it to improve faster. I mean, I think think we want to we want to get there now, if not sooner. And I think it's and for my part, it's not even so much about you know the money per se. It's about the feeling of being respected and being valued. I think that's more that's more the point um, because when they when they look at when that when you look at LPGA players and PGA Tour players, they're basically doing the same thing. They're they're working the same amount of hours. They're playing golf courses. They're doing the same job, and yet that there, there is a huge discrepancy in, in in the amount that that people value women's golf over men's golf. Sure. And I think it's that value that that the women are looking for. I think that's what they that's what they really need. And and the people. Um, in order for that to happen, people need to watch women's golf and appreciate it for, for what it is, for the skill involved that, that they're able to get around the golf course in. Sure, they can't hit it. They can't hit it 350 yards. I mean, I say 350 because there are players now on the LPGA Tour that hit it 300 yards. So I've had to go up to 350 yards for that. But there is a skill involved in how close they hit their shots to the green and to, uh, to, the, to the hole. And uh, but unfortunately, due to lack of funding, we don't get to see that statistically. So you, you've got to go and watch it in person to really get a good appreciation for how good the players are. And part of that falls on our shoulders on TV commentary to, to really uh, interpret 
the quality of shots that, that you're seeing as well. So once people see that and they and they can see how good these players are, I think then you'll start to see uh, a movement in that direction and, and, and the value will then increase and the players will feel that and then everybody hopefully will will feel where they need to be within the in the workplace, which ultimately this is the uh this is a lot of these players' workplace, the golf yeah. course. Um while you talked about hitting it straight to the greens and stuff, every time I've played with a high level um lady player she's kicked my butt because i'm you know i spray them all over the place and they're usually kind of right down the middle so there's you know there's no contest there whatsoever the golf companies the big corporate guys the the club makers the shoemakers some of them are all in one company but um are they giving as much attention as they should or has that increased to the ladies uh, tournaments and tour uh you have a staple now of a few companies that that are well represented on the lpga tour but it's not like pga tour like you on a pga tour you, you'd have tour trucks and you know lots of people show up and, but no it's, it's not it's not the same there's there's not the same kind of investment in in the women's game but again it comes down to uh getting more women involved in playing the game itself too and, and being able to sell and market and do that whole thing to, to, to women's golf and where, where they see that value. And that's the, the biggest key is the value. And and I think that for these companies to buy in, you've got to have, you know, a couple of stars that really kind of step out of the box that really make a difference to kind of elevate the LPGA Tour to a whole new level. The... Um... I was talking to a star American player yesterday who two years ago switched a golf ball she used. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you like a golf ball better? She goes, yeah, it's a good ball. She goes, I like the company a lot better. And it's a Callaway ball she's using now. She really likes the golf ball. But she said, um, Callaway's, Callaway and PXG, I think, are at the forefront, aren't yeah, they? Ping uh, pretty good and Ping as well, the companies that really, really support women's golf and see the value in it to their bottom line as well. And uh, there are some others that make th- players pay for the club, something that wouldn't happen to a single PGA Tour player in the history of the game. Um, so it's that's it's got a long way to go. But like Kara says, it's 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 the bottom line to them. And if if they don't see their investment in women's golf paying off, then they cut back on it. Now some companies have seen it pay off quite a bit. And as the women's game grows, and it is the fastest growing segment of the golf audience right now, young female golfers is making up over 35% of new golfers, um, and that's the highest number it's ever been in the history of the game. So it. There will be a payoff down the road, but it it seems to be slow going right now. We're going to take another break here on Grilling at the Green. We're going to be back in just a couple minutes with Karen Stubbles and Jerry Foltz. Stay with us. Hey, it's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green here on AM860 and the Golf News Network. I'm JT, and today we're talking with uh, Karen Stupples and Jerry Fultz, normally from Florida, but today they're in Georgia. Uh, I'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature, nature intended, not nature. Um, ben Hogan Golf, tour quality clubs at factory direct prices. That's benhogangolf.com. And uh, you can email us very simply at info at grilling at the green. Um, Let's talk about TPC Gear Run for a minute. That's fascinated me. 
we'll get get away from the tour and go to the uh, Florida tour right there in the backyard. So the big question up here is who actually designed the course? We know who does all the maintenance on it for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was part of the uh, submitting names for it. My name didn't get used, but tell us about that whole process. That's pretty funny. Well, I mean, we're, we're lucky with, with, with the, with where we live. Uh, we have a, a decent amount of land around us. We have a, a, a cool pond in the background. And during COVID, we, we thought it'd be kind of cool just to create a few little golf holes around the pond. And because it just seemed to look, look to us. Cause I mean, when we, when we were out driving around every spare bit of land that we see, we always see a golf hole on it. And so when we looked out in our backyard, we, we saw where there could potentially be a couple of them. And so we, we figured that we would, we would put out a, um, uh, like you said on Twitter, you know, a, a, a name the course kind of tweet. And it was somebody who we both know, a guy called Ethan. Uh, Ethan Rich works for Golf Channel too, and obviously knows Jerry quite well, uh, and called it TPC Beer Run. And so it was, um, it was quite funny, really, how we all how it all came about. But Jerry had a big influence in the design too. Like we would drive out there, and and he actually dug the holes out and put the holes in. And he cut the bamboo sticks down for, for our flags and he ordered the little ball things to go on it too. So he had a big part and then, and, and every once in a while I would let him mow the greens, but not very often. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your title, Jer? Is it uh, chief maintenance officer or, you know, guardian of the cooler? Um, uh, Karen said I'm chief hydration officer. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I, like I run the clubhouse. I bar barely leave the clubhouse, rarely, but I I make sure that the keg is always uh, stocked. I've noticed that. I've yeah. noticed that. That's a good. That's a full time job, actually. Well, you can't. You just can't underestimate the importance of proper hydration when you're playing golf. Oh, that's you know? true. That's true. Yeah. How's the baking coming? Uh, you know what? My uh, my KitchenAid got repossessed by the guy who gave it to me. So, <laughs> oh no. So, I just ordered a new one from Amazon. So I've been on a little baking hiatus since we both had the, you know, the COVID 10 or so uh, pounds gain. We decided to lay off it for a while. But now that uh, after I travel next week to Bermuda and get back, I'm going to have a lot of free time the rest of the year. And I've got tons of plans for it because all the neighbors are waiting for me to bring them a new loaf of bread. I, so for some reason, I'm the fluffy white bread, uh, the fluffy white bread recipe that I ended up kind of, you know, amalgamating from other recipes turned out to be absolutely stunning it's the best i mean seriously i mean it's way better than my mowing but, but the, the pizza crust was the one i spent weeks and weeks and weeks trying to oh. perfect i mean i i would wake up every day and go and invent a new pizza crust and try and get it exactly how i wanted it and it is so labor intensive to get it just right but i've got yeah. it dialed in now it kind of was his little soap opera the, the pizza crust <laughs> it, it, literally he said every morning he would say it, it, it would be i'd wake up in the morning i'd be like where's jerry next thing i know like three different crusts had already been made i'm like what <laughs> even before i would had a, my first cup of coffee he'd already got a couple of pizza crusts on the go on the go so do you have an outdoor pizza oven for that or is it still all indoors we did we bought one we bought a little wood wood, uh, wood burning pizza oven that you portable kind of thing yeah. and it just it just burns the back of them so you're kind it's too labor intensive so i got a pizza stone but i have a lot more success with the vented uh pizza pan in the oven 
with uh, with a couple of pans of water underneath it to create the steam and make it really crusty like a New York style pizza. And it, it turns out a lot better that way. I do another show, a nationally syndicated show called Barbecue Nation. I'll have to have you on there and we'll talk about, you know, you're you're cooking your uh, your pizza dough and creating it. So I'm I'm a 36 handicap uh, baker, but fortunately through Twitter, everybody thinks I'm good because the pictures always look good. They don't have to taste it, but the pictures always look good. Well, that's true. We say that in the in my world in TV, as far as, you know, somebody will come by and well, the hero shot, as we call it, there's the plate and it's all finished, whatever you're cooking. And sometimes you say, don't eat it. It just looks good. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you miss being on tour? I mean, you're right there with them all the time, except for, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm assuming, when they're traveling or getting set up when they first get to an event. But do you miss packing your golf clubs around? That's for both of you, but let's start with Karen. Uh, no, not one bit. I, I don't, I, the, the biggest luxury to me is not having to pile golf clubs onto an airplane and then drag them off the moving conveyor belt and then lug them into my rental car and then unpack everything and have clubs everywhere around the room. Sure. I just... It's just so nice to not to have to do that. I mean, here's what people don't understand, I think, with, with professional golfers. You kind of serve an apprenticeship in order to be a professional golfer. And that apprenticeship starts when you're, say, 10 years old because you're learning to play golf. And it consumes every waking moment of your life um, until you decide to stop playing. I mean, I literally, I, I think from the time I turned professional and started playing on the LPGA Tour, I, I mean, it's probably what you're looking at, 16, 17 years. I had five vacations where I didn't take my golf clubs, five, in that entire space of time. Because if, I'm, if I wasn't playing golf, I was guilty that I wasn't playing golf. I felt terrible because I felt like somebody was going to catch up or do better than me. And it was like if I was practicing or working on my game, it was a chance to improve to get better. So it was all consuming. So when, when you finally decide that enough's enough, um and it wasn't for injury or any other reason i just literally had just had enough um and my my son was going to school and i was missing out on time with him because it wasn't the travel it was it was when i was at home and i was supposed to be at home with him i was still having to go and work on my golf 10 hours a day i'd be gone and i was missing stuff and uh, and i really didn't didn't want to do that anymore enough was enough literally for me and i and and i've honestly can't imagine ever going back to to wanting to do that again and even playing golf for fun, I'm never going to be as good as I was. I'm never going to be that person. And it's just frustrating uh, to, to go out and play golf, knowing where I was to where I am now and why I put myself through it. That's kind of where I am. But I get a great deal of joy in figuring out other people's problems with their golf now. I'm talking about it. <laughs> as for me, when I when – I, uh retired actually I had a friend said Jerry with a career like yours is just called quitting um when I quit I uh I couldn't get myself to go play golf again I just couldn't do it recreational golf held no no uh, allure to me whatsoever because you went from every shot you hit meaning something in your life whether it be a practice shot or a tournament shot it meant something to you to it meaning absolutely nothing and the only way my friends could get me out to just enjoy spending time with them for about probably a good three or four years was if I played golf left-handed because then I had no expectation and I was terrible and I had so much fun. And, uh, and then it got to where I joined the club and I played a lot of golf with the men's group. And, and I realized how much I actually loved playing just the game without having to worry about 
whether or not I was going to make it to the PGA Tour or make the cut in this event. And uh, and I and and what I've also realized that to me, golf now is more about with whom I'm playing uh, than it is where I'm playing or how I'm playing. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy the camaraderie. I enjoy the cut up. I enjoy the little gambling games. I enjoy the, the you know the beer chugging contests on the back nine. It, uh, we just we just have so much fun playing golf now. The, and golf, when it's your job, you know, it's your life's passion. You, you can say it's fun, but it's a job. And the, 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 the word fun only comes out of your mouth when you happen to succeed and play really well for a tournament. True. Uh, speaking of fun, here's Bruce Furman in his golf tip of the week. Today's tip uh, is going to talk about the number one fundamental in golf. And that, of course, is always know where the beer cart is. Make friends with the beer cart uh, person. Uh, no, really, uh, it's hit the sweet spot, hit the middle of the club face. And uh, one thing you can do to, to try to help help yourself do that better is to get some of the athlete's foot powder spray and spray on the face of your clubs and then hit some shots and see where you're hitting it. For example, if you're your driver, if you're hitting your driver low on the face, particularly low on the heel, you're going to lose the most power, about nine miles an hour of ball speed. So low on the face means you're hitting up on it too much and uh, probably staying on your back foot. If you hit too high on the face, that means you're hitting down on it and uh, you need to learn how to hit up on it a little bit more. So so put that spray on your uh, on your clubs and uh, find out where you're hitting it and work on hitting it in the middle of the club face. I hope that helps you. Thank you, Bruce. We'll be right back with Karen Supples and Jerry Fultz, who always stays hydrated, right here on Grilling at the Green. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling It's Green. I'm JT. We've got the uh, Jer and Care show this morning, or Care and Jer, whichever one uh, you want to call it there. Next week, we've got Brian Henniger going to be with us. He's a, a tour veteran that now runs a golf camp here in Portland. Karen, um, what do you think was your greatest achievement? Set aside the British uh, Open, Ladies British Open, but what do you think was your greatest achievement in the sport? Was it meeting the Royals or was it meeting Jer? <laughs> <laughs> that's no contest i mean the, the queen really didn't have much time of day for me i mean my goodness i'm the only i'm the only british major winner to have never been given an award by the queen of any way or form so she didn't really pay much attention to me so i'm done with her it's all about jerry <laughs> unfortunately she calls me queen sometimes so i don't know no! what that means yeah. you're my king you're my king he's my king <laughs> so what about you jerry what do you think your greatest feat was Oh, what God. meant the most to you? It's not a long list. I mean, it's uh, the trophy shelf at our house is not a fair fight, put yeah. it that way. Um, I don't know if I had anything that, uh, no, nah, you know, the greatest achievement in my life, and I know Karen will say the same of hers, is the fact that I had one child with my ex-wife and he turned out to be just an all-star human being. And that's uh, really all that's ever mattered to me. And I think if I've had an achievement uh, in the game, hopefully it's been through entertaining and informing the audience as they enjoy watching golf as they escape into the tv to watch competitive golf and uh, that's that's something that uh, i think i take a lot of pride in is is when people you know send you comments or run into you and say and mention a, an instance here or an instance there where they learned something or where they laughed or or where they thoroughly enjoyed listening to 
whatever little BS I'm going to spew on TV. I know you've got the um, the pairing sheet covering the microphone in your mouth when you're when you're talking. I watched you do that at Portland this year. I stood kind of close to you and really watched. You've got that down, man. And then you can spit afterwards. That's really good, too. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to keep, you know, you got to keep the blood flowing. So uh, if you're watching bad golf, you need I have my I unfortunately have a nicotine vice. And uh, yeah, it keeps me keeps me alert. But yeah, um, I've only in 25 years of broadcasting ever distracted one golfer. Um, well, actually, two. One was because we had a new uh, clothing contract and they wanted us to wear these crazy colors. And I wore this yellow shirt that I looked like Big Bird. And I ducked under the ropes 200 yards ahead of Jason Day, and he had to step off the ball. He was laughing so hard. He said, he just looked hideous at that. <laughs> but the other one was, uh, it was in the Bahamas in Bubba Watson. I swear I was 50 yards away. Uh, and he stepped off the ball, and, and the, they had the audio on him. And he said, I can hear every every word that guy's saying. Fortunately, he didn't say my name, even though we're pretty good friends. Um, but uh, it's the only golfer. So you're paranoid of that. And, and all too often, you end up whispering. Yeah. Uh, and you, what I have done in, in time is kind of perfected the art of whispering with a little bass in the voice. And then, as you know, the audio guy can jack that up and make it sound like I'm talking right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a great trick, too. I used to do the, uh, the, the radio coverage for the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas. And I was the anchor for that for a number of years. And it's very hard. That's a very loud building there at Thomas and Max. So you really had to learn to focus and keep your head down, talk right into that mic or they could never hear you. You know, because you had yeah. 18,000 people sitting behind you screaming. And so um, you learn to talk really low and quickly, but it goes like well, that. You'll see you'll see a lot of on-course commentators in golf who are, you know, 70 yards away so they can talk louder because they're terrified of, of uh, it distracting the golfer. But quite honestly, your job is to tell people what they can't see. It's, a, you know, it's a visual medium. So you can't do that from 70 yards away. you got to be right up there on them. And I learned from Dottie Pepper how close you could get if you just put the yardage book between your mouth and the player, how close you could get and still talk at a decent level with them not hearing you. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's uh, well, you're, and you're, I don't think you're like Faraday who wanders around and never knows what the hell he's going to do. Usually just looking for a porta potty for, to, <laughs> you know, for something like that. Um, the regular show is going to end here in just a few minutes. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now, Karen out there mowing, TPC Deer Run, or are you going to still be in the booth with us? Um, I hope to still be working uh, golf tournaments in 10 years from now. Uh, I, I think that uh, it's my job to still be up to date on current trends and statistics and, and everything else and try and keep ahead of the game in, in that department. I would love to continue to improve in that in that way. I, I said I love the challenge of, of figuring out other people's problems um, on the golf and, and why they're good. Why they're why they're bad? What the trends are with their games? Um, because every because golf is a, is a puzzle ultimately, yeah. and uh, it's figuring out how the pieces fit together to produce a perfect picture, which would essentially be a fifty nine or a fifty eight or whatever it is. Sure. So for me, I like I like to work out how they all fit together, and so I I can see myself wanting to do that for a long time because every day is different. There's nothing boring about it. That's not to say that mowing a little bit of extra grass here or there isn't going to isn't going to play into my into my future as well because um, I love that. Great <laughs> therapy. Yeah. Jerry, Karen, thank you for being on the regular show. We've got a few minutes, so maybe we can stick around for five minutes of after hours. But folks, that's going to wrap it up this week for 
Grilling at the Green, take care. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group.